Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daydon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Daydon Tolbert. Back live tonight with Ask Daydon Advice Hour, where we're going to do nothing tonight but talk about your topics, your questions, your situations that you guys have expressed an interest in. Um, it's been a little while since we had just a you know an exclusive Ask Daydon Advice. Uh, hour and uh, we want to get back to that. Um, you know, obviously we've been having a lot of. Uh, there's been a lot going on in the world, so there's been a lot to uh, to discuss. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about you guys. It's all about uh, shedding light on on topics and issues and questions and misconceptions. And so there's a lot of uh, that type of stuff tonight that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna do. Um, also, we you know we still want to talk about though what's going on in the world. Um, which has become over the last several months a very, very uh, popular and and what's ended up being very informative, uh, a very informative segment here on the show, just because it allows us to talk about uh, current events, topics that everyone's talking about, but from a biblical standpoint, but from a real standpoint, a non-sugar-coated standpoint. And, um, you know, so that's what we're going to do tonight, man. You know, as always, though, you guys are welcome to call in with any comments or questions or you know, feedback, 646-200-0366. Hit the number one on your keypad if you have something to uh, contribute to the conversation. Courtney is here with me tonight. Courtney, what's going on with you? How are you? Hey, what's going on? Good. So good to be back on the show tonight, especially after our last show. I received really good feedback on it. You know, we were talking about the Super Bowl and the, the halftime performance specifically as well as the TV show Lucifer and all of that stuff. And I received some really good feedback on that show because a lot of people didn't want to watch the TV show Lucifer that's on the Fox Network. A lot of people didn't want to watch it. Um, but after we did the show, I heard a lot of people tell tell me, actually, hey, you know, I'm looking to, to watch it, not from an entertainment standpoint, but really just to gain knowledge and just to learn a little bit more and just to see what's going on on around here as far as spiritual warfare that we all experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll just say this about that. I mean, you know, that was you know, our last live show, in my opinion, and, you know, at the risk of sounding, you know, uh, uh, repetitive, you know, but, I mean, I really honestly um, can say that um, just from a entertainment standpoint, from inf- an information standpoint, I mean, that probably – we, you know, we jammed so much into that show from literally from start to finish, you know, like Courtney said, whether it was, our, you know, we combined it with our annual Super Bowl special where we kind of talk about the demonic, the satanic imagery, uh, you know, the agenda that's always, you know, put into that halftime show. We talked a little bit about the Grammys um, and just, you know, all the stuff that, that was seen, you know, with that um, as far as symbolism and things of that nature. We talked about... Um, as Courtney mentioned, the the, uh, the Fox show Lucifer, and and really just how it ties into um, uh, you know an overall agenda um, of of pushing a uh, a, sat- a satanic not only a satanic uh, message and agenda forth, but to kind of um, discredit uh, the church, discredit God, and and to you know hope or help I should say you know, the the masses view the enemy as more of a, a, a friendly uh, person and just, you know, how that ties into what we are seeing out here daily. And so definitely, um, I would say if you missed that show, check it out. Um, just 
you know, it's just classic show in in my opinion. I you know, in fact I don't I don't think I've ever prepared an outline that had so much uh, you know, crammed into one show in our ten year history. So if you missed that show or any you know, any of our uh most recent shows, check them out on iTunes, com, podcast, things like that. So um, like I said, we're not gonna be on long tonight. Um, I know this, you know, it's a, a lot going on out here. Oh, it's a lot going on on TV, but I'm not, you know, I don't worry about that. I know the scandal and all that stuff is on, you know. Um, uh, what I'm most interested in is the uh, the debate that's on currently. There's a, uh, I don't know if you guys have been following it, but there's a uh, Republican uh, debate on uh, this evening, which, you know, which I've told you guys before, it's it's very important to, um, you know, to, to pay attention not just what's, um, you know, being projected forth, but really what is, you know, by the masses, projected forth by the mainstream media, but just what's going on from your perspective, you know, like what what topics are important to you, you know, what things would you like to see in a candidate, and then seek out that information. You know, I see I see a lot of times as people are focusing on what the media wants you to think. You know, Republicans are bad, they're racist, this and that, Democrats are good, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, but a lot of things are, are really not what they seem. And so I'd say, hey, look, let's just make some make some decisions on our own. In fact, I posted something that we can start off with. I actually posted something over, online in the Friends of the Day on Tolbert Show. It was just a question, just a question of, um, you know, if you look back at 2008, where, you know, we had Barack Obama running for, you know, president. He was young. He was, you know, charismatic. He, you know, gave good speeches. He was, you know, obviously a minority. He's black. Um, you know, someone who was uh, set, preaching a message of, of change and, um, you know, things like that, um, you know, supposedly representing the middle class and, you know, and a, what we as a community, we kind of rallied against or rallied for him I should say, you know, as a community. And so I just posted a question. I took a look and I said, you know, why, what are some reasons why uh, the, why the, the black community is not rallying around Marco Rubio in a similar fashion? He's, you know, younger, he's minority, he is, you know, uh, has an agenda, a platform of, uh, you know, being for the, you know, the the middle class, um, he wants to change the uh, establishment. You know, I said, say, you know, what, what's going on? You know, because you don't really see that support. He, him being a minority, and you know, us as well being minorities. What's going on? And there wasn't a lot of conversation about that. And so I just wanted to kind of see what people's thoughts were. And um, I actually shout out to Kobe Cole, who uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a radio legend here in the Philadelphia area. We got into a little debate, which was which was very refreshing. You know, because you don't see a lot of people. Um, and of, of our color, being able to who, I, who identify with the Democratic Party, being able to intelligently articulate, you know, why they don't support certain candidates, and you know, and in fact, if you look at that thread, there was really, I mean, really, he was really the only one, you know, what I'm saying, who actually had an opinion on, um, you know, or could even say why they uh, did not support Marco Rubio. Courtney, did you get a chance to check out that thread in particular? Oh, yes, I actually commented on that. And um, just to answer the question, you know, why why don't uh, more middle-class Christian minorities support Marco Rubio, really what I say about it is it's because he isn't black or, or and or <laughs> um, Democrat. I feel like you have to either be one 
or the other or both to gain the support of black people. And so since he doesn't fall into those categories, you don't see the support. And um, as you touched on a little bit earlier, we were conditioned to believe that Democrats are the good guys that, you know, give you a break on your taxes and that the Republicans are the bad guys and they're just out to take your money. And and we don't even realize or care that, you know, the what either party stands for is just we just follow what we know just out of familiarity or because our family members voted for this person. But we don't pay attention to the Republican side of it and, you know, their beliefs and their um, conservatism and the fact that they don't support abortions or homosexuality. And if you call yourself a Christian, it doesn't make sense to, you know, talk badly about someone that supposedly has beliefs that are aligned with yours. One of the things I'll say is that um, I may have a couple things that I want to say about it, but – and I'm not, like I told you, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I, you know, I understand. You know, first of all, I'm, I'm an American. I'm an African-American. But at the end of the day, we, we all live here in this country, so we should care about what's going on. So I care about the issues. You know, so like I said earlier, I take a look at the issues and then, you know, just search, like, okay, who or what, you know, most, you know, clearly uh, aligns with my beliefs, you know, as a Christian, as an African American, as someone in the middle class, you know what I mean? Like who is who has a message that's most pleasing to me? And, you know, from the jump, I can't support anyone who who supports, you know, homosexuality, something that God hates. So, you know, I can't support someone who's, you know, for abortion, you know, for, you know, and just so many other things, you know, when we look at even, even um, you know, domestic issues, <clears throat> excuse me, issues like uh, immigration, you know, it's like if you if you watch some of these debates, you know, they don't even – I mean, like I say, I watch – I've watched every single debate. I've watched every single town hall. And if you really listen, you know, these Republicans, they're not even talking about things like immigration. They're not even talking – like there's not even a conversation. There are no questions. There's no debates. There's no possible – like no, nothing. And it's just like you really got to ask yourself, like, whoa, if, this, if these are major issues – why are they not being discussed on that side? And it's it's because it's they're not issues. They, you know, they rather focus on the things that are, you know, um, going to get the headlines, the things that are are safe. And um, and like I said, I don't want to talk politics all night, but I just one of the things that I noticed I was watching. And I I just I talk about this because I I see stuff that so many people don't see and they 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 don't talk about in the mainstream media. I feel like it needs to be discussed. And I think this I, I posted this on online. I don't know if you guys noticed, but like, well, like I said, right now there's a Republican debate, right? There's a Republican debate. And you got Marco Rubio, Donald Trump, uh, Ben Carson, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, you know, and they're all debating, okay? They're like, they they go at it, right? They get into it. If you guys have seen it, you've seen the headlines or whatever, they get into it. You know, but then if you look at it on the Democratic side, they don't even, they don't have debates. They've had a, don't get me wrong, they've had a couple of debates and I've watched them. You know, but if you notice that the questions are totally different and it's just like they're praising each other all night, they're complimenting each other all night, and then you don't you may have you have those like every once in a while, but then you have the these town halls. So right before the, the, the caucuses where people are actually voting that's gonna determine who the eventual nominee is, you're having these town halls where they're separate, so that meaning there's not even a debate. 
So you really got to ask yourself. I mean, really, I mean, just uh, these are really rational questions. Like, really ask yourself, why do the Republicans have to go into a room and literally tear themselves apart? You know what I'm saying? You know, fighting each other all night for two hours. But Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders get to just come up there, sit down, get comfortable, get asked questions separately with no rebuttal, no back and forth. You really, I mean, seriously, you really got, I, I'm asking that. I mean, have you have you noticed that, Corey? Maybe I'm the only person that notices that or think that's, you know, think that's uh, a little bit odd or strange. I mean, what what's your thoughts on that? Oh, yes, I've definitely noticed that. And the debates that I've seen on, on both sides, Republican, both parties, um, Republican and Democrat, I've noticed the difference. And, in, you know, when I watch them, I take note. And I found myself with the Republican debates, like, having all of these notes, you know, of the things that they were talking about and just different points of each candidate and all of this stuff. And then for Democrats, like, <laughs> the page is blank. I'm like, I don't have anything to write because I always felt like they weren't talking about anything. I've always felt that way. And so it just makes me wonder, like, are they, you know, is it are they just being protected or are they trying to make it seem like the Republicans are the, the bad people and that's why they spark this debate to make you feel like, oh, they're bad? It's It's just interesting. Yeah, one of the things that's inter- that I found to be interesting is that, you know, we and we mentioned it last time when we were talking about the Super Bowl. We talked about Beyonce's, um, her her halftime show uh, performance that was, you know, considered controversial. It's like, that's controversial, but she gets up there and does, like, satanic rituals with all types of symbolism. I mean, that, that's not controversial, but when she does, talks, you know, talks about the Black Panthers and, you know, does that type of stuff, and that's what's kind of, I mean, that's interesting in and of itself. But, um, you know, that what's interesting right now is that the Miami Police Department, um, <clears throat> their uh, police union, one of the unions is, you know, uh, has decided and voted not to uh, basically to boycott, not, you know, work her, you know, an upcoming concert that she has going on, you know, in that area because they say that it promotes an anti-police, or anti, uh, you know, agenda or message, which, you know, which, which I think is um, – I mean, you know, I I think it's ridiculous. I mean, but it's like irrelevant to me. It's I'll say this: what it is is it's all, it's all part of the the agenda, and you know, and not to keep talking about it, but it's just interesting that so many people don't see it, you know. And when you look at the media, right? I mean, there is this clear push to make this country, you know, simply about black versus white you know, police officer versus blacks, you know, and it's just so obvious, it's so unfortunate because what happens is everyone gets so caught up in this race this this race war that people like me and Osho have been talking about literally for years. It's been in the planning stage for the last 10 to 15 years, and, you know, we've been talking about it for that long, and now it's all just playing out. It's like the, the tension is, is mounting, and it's only going to get worse. You know, whether it's Trayvon, Michael Dunn, I mean, you know, all these people, Mike Brown, you know, it's just going to get worse. And the media, I mean, they got all these slave movies coming out. They got, you know, Beyonce, you know, doing this stuff. This stuff is not by accident, guys. Essentially, I was listening recently, and I remembered a quote from, uh, interestingly enough, Kanye West, who's been in the uh, the news lately. He says, I'm talking big business or something. I'm talking uh, CIA. 
right? Like, and he, like basically, and he's like basically saying like his crew is actually on that song "Click," you know, ain't nobody messing with my click, click, click. And he's talking about like you know how his click, so to speak, is doing this business, but it's like the type of business associated with the CIA, CIA, like that type of stuff. And if you look back historically at the role that the CIA has played in history in the black community with politics, with, you know, people like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, it's like it's it's been very active to say the least, right? So, you know, and that's you really got to connect the dots. You know, when you look at his clique, uh, you know, Kanye West, you know, Jay-Z, Beyonce, people like that who, are, who have been put in positions of power specifically to further a certain agenda or agendas, you know, and this halftime show performance, you know, it, it, with the Super Bowl and just the whole black power theme, it's it's done specifically to distract from the real issues, to put attention on this this ra- impending race war that we have coming up. In fact, if you if you don't believe me or, you know, we've been talking about this, check out our show that we did uh, this time last year on race versus religion, where we talked about the real problem, the real problem, what they want you guys to think is the problem, which is black versus white, rich versus poor, but the real problem is actually evil versus good, Satan versus God, you know what I'm saying, blasphemy versus, you know, godliness. And and so uh, that's the real issue that they're uh, distracting us from, and so you really just got to look at it you know, from that perspective. Now, it's funny. I was, what's really funny is, though, I was watching the, the the town hall, you know, the, the Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders town hall, and, um, you know, they asked her. They It was interesting. They asked her about it. You know, they said, you know, Hillary, what do you think about, you know, this whole, you know, Beyonce thing and the police department boycotting? And, and you know, a lot of people are saying that she is pushing forth a an anti-God or, excuse me, anti police message, you know, how do you how do you feel about that? Do you feel like those people are right? And I really want people to, hopefully you guys saw it, because they asked her, I mean, I forget his name, but the guy asked her a very straightforward question on a specific topic on Beyonce, and she just does what she always, like, she doesn't answer questions. You know, like, she doesn't. I don't know if y'all have, no, like, noticed that, but Hillary Clinton never answers questions. I mean, she's like the epitome of a politician. It just it irks my soul because on that question, she said, you know, well, she sidestepped it completely and started talking about something totally unrelated, you know, never even mentioned Beyonce. She said, well, I don't think it's about, you know, any particular artist but this and that. And it's like, well, no, the question was actually about a particular artist. Like, you can't just say, not, no, that's what the question is. And she just didn't answer. And she, but she does it on a regular basis. And, and I can't respect that. I mean, Barack Obama does that. Hillary Clinton does that. I mean, Bernie Sanders, one of the interesting things is that he, I told I said online, he keeps it realer than any uh, candidate that I've ever seen and talks about things I've never heard any candidate mention, which I respect, except when it comes to religion, you know, this dude starts talking crazy. You know, he starts talking about all types of stuff. But so for me, I just can't, you know, support anyone who, you know, obviously has a certain agenda to the point where they can't answer or be honest or be truthful about certain things. I mean, really, that's all uh, all politicians to a certain extent. But I think if you look at all the candidates in these in the races, look at these debates, and really judge for yourself, like who keeps it real or who's answering the questions, who's even touching on topics that are that are relevant. 
I mean, I don't think you can't. There's no possible way you could, you know, say, oh, yeah, it's Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, even Bernie Sanders for that matter. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. We'll continue to talk more um, more about that, especially as this whole Miami Police Department thing unfolds. Um, you know, as, the, as uh, Super Tuesday comes, it's actually approaching next week. And um, so we'll, we'll get a better idea of, you know, really who the who the nominees will be, really. I mean, that's historically been the day that kind of decides it, not officially, but pretty much like whoever really is leading after Super Tuesday, I think historically goes on to win the, uh, the nomination. So I think it will be, um, you know, it'll be pretty interesting. I mean, I mean, Courtney, who's, I mean, at this point, if the election was held today, I mean, you know, are you voting? Would you vote? I mean, what's really going on? You're, I mean, you're in the hot seat. Oh, I don't mind being in the hot seat. I'm <laughs> not voting for anybody. I'm just going to be honest because, um, although I do enjoy certain things that the Republicans say on on their side, as far as just, um, you know, how they feel about um, national security and other types of issues like that. How I feel is that no matter who is in office, they're still going to be put in place to fulfill whatever agenda that they want them to. You know, it's it's going to happen, like, the way that it's supposed to in the Bible. So to answer your question, I'm not voting for anyone. But I can say, though, that I have become more interested in politics and just learning about it and just to just learning to see what their um, platform is and their take on certain issues. Yeah, I can respect that. I mean, you know, one th- one thing I'll say is this. <clears throat> you know, for me, you know, I always I talk to a lot of people, and, um, you know, a lot of people are really quick to say, like, oh, you know, our ancestors, the people who came before us, you know, they fought, they died, for, you know, for you to vote, this and that. And that's actually not true. You know what I mean? Because like people try to say stuff like really they just because they think it they think it sounds good, um, you know. But you got to realize like I had I actually grew up with parents who were you know were alive at that time. I was was blessed to have both of my um, you know grandparents. My grandmother died at 103 years old. My grandfather was 99. So you know I heard a lot of stories growing up just about how things really were you know back in the day. And the reality is. You know, our our the, those who came before us absolutely fought. They died. They struggled, but they struggled for us to have the right to vote. You know what I'm saying? They, they, it was a time where you, could, if you chose to vote, if you wanted to vote, you weren't even allowed to vote. You understand that? You weren't even allowed to be registered to vote. And so that was the that was the the fight. And we have to be clear about that. Because when you say you you know you have to go and vote, there there's there are people who fought for the right to you know to be able to you know eat at certain restaurants or to, or to drink alcohol or buy cigarettes. That doesn't mean that you necessarily want to do all those things, right? You don't have to um, exercise your right to be able to drink alcohol or you know if you live in a state where marijuana is legal now you don't have to you know go ahead and go roll up a joint over if you're in you know Washington and you don't have to do that it's for the right you have a right to vote you understand that so that means because those people fought for it, because so certain people died for it that means you have to take that seriously meaning if you just go to the 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 uh the polls and just start pushing buttons 
and really don't know anything about who you're pushing buttons for, you haven't researched the candidates, you're actually doing your grandparents, my grandparents, you know, a disservice because it's a right. So why would you, and people say, oh, you didn't even vote. I would rather not vote, make an active decision not to vote because I may not have done my due diligence than to just go and disrespect the right to vote by just pressing buttons. And that's what we see a lot of in the black community. Just go ask around. Just go ask around, you know, hey, you know, how do you, who are you voting for? You know, what do you think about so-and-so, this and that? They will not be able to tell you anything about anyone other than Donald Trump. You got people who can't even tell you what Hillary Clinton's platform is, you know, what, what Marco Rubio, what Ted Cruz is all about. Now, I don't like Ted Cruz. What do you, you don't even know who Ted Cruz You don't even know where John Kasich comes from. You don't even know anything about Bernie Sanders. Most black people have no idea what Bernie, oh, no, he's for the young people. Like, what, okay, what do you mean by that? You know what I mean? Like, what, young people what? You know what I'm saying? So we really got to do our, our, our due diligence. And, you know, like I said, watch these debates. Read some newspapers. Go on their websites. Follow, like, I follow um, Ben Carson online, you know, on his Facebook page. I mean, he has a lot of information on there to, so that you can actually make a decision about, you know, do you like him? I've heard black people say he's an Uncle Tom. He's an Uncle Tom. Like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, what, how, what, what has he said that you disagree with? And most, most people can't even tell you. So just, you know, like I said, man, we're going to continue talking about it. Um, just like I said, as the election continues on, there's a lot going on with uh, just like with this whole uh, politics thing and, and and how it ties into race. One of the things that I wanted to touch on is that, um, you know, obviously there's a lot. Like I was watching wrestling. I watched wrestling from time to time. I watched it my whole life. And what's interesting, there's a very interesting, um, you know, uh, occurrence that I saw. I don't know if you guys followed, but uh, there's a wrestler from back in the day called the, he went by the name of the Godfather, you know, black guy. And he, um, you know, his whole thing was like, you get on the, uh, on the whole train. So he would take his walk down to the ring and, you know, followed by a, a you know, a, a whole gang of, you know, prostitutes, you know, who were his quote unquote hoes dressed, you know, half naked and flaunting them. And, you know, and they're actually inducting the Godfather into the hall of fame. Now, I'm in a number of wrestling groups, and, you know, I talk to people, you know, who watch wrestling, you know, for as long as I have. And what you got to understand is now while The Godfather was, you know, charismatic and he was popular, if you – I mean, we're talking about the Wrestling Hall of Fame. There are all-time greats. Just follow me here. Just understand. You don't have to follow wrestling to understand what I'm saying. There are all-time great wrestlers who I could throw out there who aren't even in the Hall of Fame and aren't even up for induction this year into the Hall of Fame. But right now, as we're in the midst of probably the height of the of racial tensions over from really over the last hundred years, it hasn't been this 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 tense. The police brutality, all this stuff. Beyonce coming at this exact moment. You know, and so now they're going to induct, you know, this guy who's known for being a pimp, just put, you know, portraying us in a certain way. You know what I'm saying? If you look at what Denzel Washington won the Oscar for, or one of his Oscars for, for Training Day, being a corrupt cop, Halle Berry for basically being a hoe, getting smashed off a monster's ball. You look at 12 Years a Slave. I mean, the list goes on. Denzel Washington winning again, you know, in glory for, you know, being a, a slave. So, I mean, now they're going to induct the 
quote unquote Godfather into the wrestling hall. You know, it's all connected. I really just want people to just open their eyes. By like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? That's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, and as we talk about all this Oscar talk, as the Oscar come up, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you know, just really keep an eye out, you know, for how this agenda is playing out. You know, it's all, you know, even putting Obama in office and then everything that's happened race-wise since then, you know, Stevie Wonder can see that that's all part of a certain uh, greater plan. I mean, any thought, I mean, I know you're not a, you know, a big wrestling fan, but do you see the significance of that? Yeah, I do. And I can't say I'm surprised because that's how, you know, that that's how it is with us and that's how, um, you know, they want us to be portrayed, you know, as being pimps and just portraying us in like a buffoonish manner. Like that's just how it is. And we're we're never acknowledged for, you know, the, the great things that we do. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, and, you know, and here's the, let me just say this thing, because there's a lot I want to talk about tonight. And we talked, we actually did a whole, if you guys missed it, we did a whole you know, pre-Oscar special, like right around the time when, you know, Jada uh, decided she was going to boycott and Spike Lee. We did a whole show. I think it was Saturday Night Live. Like we talked about that whole thing um, and just the Oscars. Um, so definitely check that out if you missed it because, you know, we both had a lot to say about it. But one of the things i say is that, um, you know, the Oscars are not for us. You know, I don't know. That shouldn't be a news flash to anybody, but it's weird. We always, for whatever reason, we look to the Grammys for validation. We look to the Oscars for validation. You know, it's like, you know, as if they were designed for for us. Not only are they not and have never been designed for us, but they're actually they're, they've been put in place to make a mockery of us. You know what I'm saying? And to um, to exclude us. It's like you know. You're, you know, the country club. I mean, you might be able to get in, but once you get in, they're going to look at you like you're crazy, you know, if you get in at all. So it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, I got into this country club, but what what's good is, what good is it if they don't even want you there? And it's, it's like that type of thing. It's like we have to start finding our own uh, sources of recognition. We have to start looking at you know, really not even seeking recognition, to be honest. If you want to make a quality movie, if you do a really great job that blesses a lot of people in a certain film, hey, be happy with that. You know what I'm saying? It's not all, you know, I, I, I feel like we do a quality show here. I'm not looking for awards or recognition or ratings or this. And I'm just trying to, you know, do do what's right and, you know, and, uh, you know, give you guys some quality information. And that's what it's for. I think at the end of the day, it's all about God's recognition. And, and that's, I think what's missing, you know what I'm saying? It's like if you if you know you're doing something for money, you're doing something for a check, Jada, Will Smith, you know, and you're doing something to push an agenda, you want your recognition, right? But when you know, keep it real, when you're doing something that's really pleasing to God, you're not going to be seeking recognition from the world. We all, you know, we all know what the Bible says about being loved by the world and seeking approval from the world. Like we all, you know, we should all know know that by now. You know what I'm saying? Now, all that being said, you know, I got a chance to see The Revenant over the weekend. And I, you know, I don't know if you guys follow, but Leonardo DiCaprio has been nominated, I think, five times so far. He's never won. And I feel like he definitely should have, you know, one of my favorite actors really makes some, I mean, count almost as, as many quality movies 
um, as Denzel Washington. Like, just he's like one of those guys, like every movie he makes is like, you know, one of those, um, you know, classic films. And so, you know, hopefully you guys got a chance to see The Revenant. Um, if not, really good movie, very uh, very entertaining, great, great uh, performance. I mean, now, there's no sex in it, so I know that's not something Courtney is going to be, you know, running to go to the theater to see or, you know, watch on DVD. But you guys out there who actually enjoy quality <laughs> movies, you know, go ahead and, you know, check that out. Um, now, there's a lot going on. Now, real quick, also, I, I wanted to mention this when we were talking about wrestling. Real quick, I just want to go back for a second. This this is this stuff is so funny, man. Like, and we talk about stuff. We talk about a demonic symbol. We talk about, you know, we in fact we did a really great show last time, like I told you about, uh, where we talked about Lucifer and just the. It was like a one big inside joke, right? I mean, just as far as people who one read the Bible and understand the Bible, but then also to you know uh, people who you know, understand Satanism or even practice Satanism. It was like one big inside joke between these those people because otherwise if you're not one of the two, you, you missed half the things, ninety percent of the things that were, you know, subtly sprinkled in all throughout the show. And because I I fall into both of those categories, like I do read the Bible, I do understand the Bible, but at the same time I also do study Satanism. I like to understand it. The Bible says as Christians we are to um uh, take no part in darkness, but instead expose it. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do as Christians. So I feel like how can you expose darkness if you don't understand darkness or even know how to recognize it when you see it? That's why I look at this stuff. And so I was watching um, I was watching wrestling, in fact, Monday Night Raw. And if you guys have it on your DVR, you know, pull it up on YouTube, just watch. Just in the beginning, I don't know if you guys know who Shane McMahon is, Vince McMahon, is the you know like the the chairman of the WWE? He's like the the founder, not the founder, but like the the main person in charge of it basically. Um, and his son is Shane McMahon. His daughter is Stephanie McMahon, and they call themselves the Authority, right? Which you know, it's interesting. The whole thing is like uh, taken from how the world is really run. Like they basically will tell you we. You know, we we guide and influence everything that happens in WWE. Nothing happens without us saying so, and we can we make decisions. So they call themselves the authority, and so I think you guys can kind of understand how that plays into real life, or you know, their take on real life. But then what I found interesting um, on this most recent Monday Night Raw with Shane McMahon, who is again the son of Vince McMahon, who's the big boss of WWE. Follow me here. <laughs> He basically came back. He's been going for a long time, and he's talking to his father, Vince McMahon. He says, "You know what? I, you know, long story short, I'm gonna I want to take over Monday Night Raw." He's like, "No, you're not gonna take over Monday Night." He's like, "But I'll let you take over Monday Night Raw on one condition: you gotta have a match with the Undertaker at WrestleMania." And this is like gonna be a huge main event or whatever like that. And so he's like, he thinks about it, and then he says something. What he says is only going to be caught and understood by a small percentage of people. I'm in that that percentage. Hopefully you are too. He says, he shakes his hand and says, well, this won't be the first time I've made a deal a deal with the devil. You know what I'm saying? So think about what's, what's being said there. You have this rich kid who is the father of Vince McMahon who's, who runs this billion-dollar company, right? And so he's making this deal referring to his father, Mr. Man, as the devil, 
But he's saying this wouldn't be the first time I sell, I sell my soul to the devil, I make a deal with the devil, which basically is referring to, if you guys catch it, what they the oath that all of these celebrities have made to even be in that position to begin with as a celebrity. You know, there is an oath that's taken. There is a deal that's made with the devil. There is the selling of the soul, whether it's Beyonce, Jay-Z, you know, who else, Kanye West. I mean, you know, it's all, they all do that same thing. And I just thought that was very interesting because it was very subtle. Like I said, you had to under, you got to understand it to even, you know, catch it to be a part of that conversation. Any, any quick thoughts on that, Courtney? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say that you're right. Like, only certain people would have been able to catch it. And, you know, God will show you certain things, and it, it'll just stand out to you. It's like you can't even miss it. Because I, I remember at one point things like that, like, in the past, if I were to hear something like that, it just would have went over my head. But it's like now when you see stuff like that, like it's not just in wrestling but just in entertainment, period. When you see or hear things said or you see certain uh, symbols being thrown up, it's like now it's like I can't miss it. I could be doing something like I could be multitasking. I could have like the TV on or something and be, you know, just walking around or whatever and someone could just like throw something up and it'll. I can catch it now like out of the corner of my eye. It's like, it's like I can't miss it. It's right there in front of your face. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, like I said, we will continue to, um, you know, talk about this stuff. A lot of people, I get a lot of emails, a lot of texts, a lot of uh, inboxes. Hey, Daydon, you know, thanks for, you know, thanks for doing what you do. You know, we read a lot of those testimonies, although there are even more that we don't even read because for me it's not, you know, it's not about, you know, recognition. It's just about, you know, knowing really my personal satisfaction, knowing that, you know, people do appreciate just having that information. You know, just having that knowledge because you know it's, it's not a lot of you know outlets you know where you can get uh, hear that type of stuff. So I definitely will continue to talk about it. Um, what else is going on in the world, though? A lot of things going on uh, going on in the world. Uh, Meek Mill uh, has a has has a, a few artists signed to his Dream Chasers record label, and uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know, Little Snoop was actually uh, killed a few years ago. Um, and now recently another one of his artists, uh, Chino, was shot in the head. Did you hear about that, Courtney? Yeah, I, I heard about that. Um, yeah, that's very unfortunate, but it's not the first time that we've heard this before. Like, they'll they make it, like, uh, they'll publicize it. They'll make big news out of, like, someone that we've never heard of. Not to downplay a tragedy because, I mean, it's still sad, but I'm saying that, I noticed that that's, like, made big news, like, um, Nicki Minaj's cousin, Chris Brown's tattoo artist, and all of that stuff. And you have to just think, like, it's a connection there. Well, what's the connection? What are you saying? What I'm saying is that those artists, um, well, those people were sacrificed so those artists could be bigger. Because if you notice, right after those tragedies happened, those artists like they blow up or they come out with like a new city, new album or something. Something big happens after that. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate. I'll just say this, man. It's unfortunate uh, that we see a lot of um, tragedy surrounding these celebrities. You know, if you look at, if you look at, because here's the thing, I don't, you know, we can look at stuff and be like, okay, this is happening, that's happening. But at the end of the day, 
if I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what's going on. I and I'm a part of this stuff. You know, that's not how this stuff works. Nobody, well, people know, but we, if you're on the outside, don't know what's going on. It's like if you're in a fraternity, you know, a fraternity or a sorority or you know some type of organization. Well, you're a part of what goes on inside that organization. But if you're not a part of that organization, you have no. You can only speculate as to what you think is going on, right? I mean, that's just being real. But at the same time, we do have a blueprint, you know, for how things have historically worked since the beginning of time. You know, that blueprint is called the Bible. You know, and so if you look at, you know, historically, you know, throughout time, what it has taken to be a a member of any type of elite organization, the the celebrities, the, you know, back in the day it was like the priests and the, you know, the people who were most respected, like that organization. You look at what the what happened in the Bible. You look at what it what it took and you really read and understand how God looked at those people and those things that were done as far as sacrifices, you know, burnt offerings, cows, animals, human beings, you know, back then in the Bible. And, you know, and you look at like, okay, wow, they this is what was required historically, you know, and then you kind of look around you, you know, that's when you start putting the pieces together, you know. And so things have not changed. Things have, you know, become a little bit more um, discreet. Um, secretive, you know, if you will, but at the end of the day, you know, there are still sacrifices that are required to be a part of the elite. I mean, that's just that's how it's always been. That's clearly how it is now. And as Courtney said, that's why you see a lot of. Not saying everyone who dies is, you know, a sacrifice. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm not even claiming to know, you know, what was a sacrifice, what was not. But if anyone who thinks that, you know, to to achieve the type of fame and fortune and power that God speaks so negatively about throughout the Bible, if you think that that stuff comes freely, you know, that's just, you know, that's just being naive. That's just not reading the Bible. That's just not understanding how things really work. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you do have sacrifice that the media will, you know, publicize and, you know, to let not us know, but to let each other know. Like this is now a part of that, you know, just, you know, real quick, to give you a little glimpse of what I'm talking about, you know, it's like you're in, a, and I'm just going to use fraternity, just being in a fraternity myself. But if you use a fraternity, it's like, all right, you go through a process. Everybody talks about pledging, and we've done a number of specials on pledging over the years. Check them out. Um, but if you look at, all right, you got this group of people, this person, he's online, right? He has to prove himself worthy to be a member of this organization through different tasks, activities, rituals, and, you know, things like that. So you do those things, but what happens after you do those things? Well, there's a ceremony, then, you know, you you, you become a part of that organization. But what happens after you become a part? Well, first of all, what happens when you're actually pledging? Right, the, you know, you you show that you show everyone that you are in fact going through something. It's not a secret. You let people know. At least you did back in the day when pledging, you know, pledging was actually you know pretty, um, it was above ground, so to speak. I mean, that's what you did. You let people know what was going on. If you did something, you would chant or you would show things or you would wear certain uniforms or certain colors, you know, so that you people knew what was going on prior. But then after you became a part of that organization, you represented that organization. You let the world know. You wore colors. You threw up certain hand symbols. There were certain secret things that were that were shown, and that's 
um, obviously it's much different, but it's very similar in a, in ways to what's going on on a large scale. You understand out here as far as certain sacrifices, certain oaths that are taken and things like that. And it's just a matter of knowing what to look for. It's like if you see somebody dressed in red on a black campus throwing up certain signs, it's like, oh, okay, they're a capital. You know, somebody dressed in blue and, you know, they're stepping out, they're a sigma. You know, somebody barking like a dog, oh, that's a cute. You you know that from seeing it because you're familiar with fraternity and sorority life. Well, you should, just like you're familiar with that stuff, hopefully by now you guys are familiar. Oh, if you're a celebrity, you're going to throw up certain hand signs. Oh, if you're a celebrity, you're gonna, your, your color scheme is going to be of a certain thing, red, white, black, and silver. You're going to recognize that when you see it. You know what I'm saying? You're going to understand there's a certain agenda being pushed forth that all celebrities take an oath to represent. So you're going to, you're going to kind of pick up on that. You're going to understand, oh, if they're in, a, uh, in this elite group on a certain level, they've had to make a sacrifice of a, of a close individual. Oh, and you're going to kind of look, oh, wow, Nicki Minaj's cousin was my, oh, Chris Brown's tattoo, oh, Kanye West's mom, oh, Jay-Z's nephew, oh, this is, oh, bam. And at, at a certain point, oh, you start to look for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, that person's about to blow up. Oh, what, I wonder who they're sacrificing. Next thing you know, two weeks later, oh, big tragedy. So-and-so's brother was killed. Jennifer Hudson's family was killed. Oh, like it's like it never stops. And as, after a certain point, it just starts to become like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what's going on. Like one plus one equals two. It becomes that easy, just like it is for me. People like Courtney and many of you guys. So, and again, again this is not stuff that I make up. This is not stuff... You know, you can Google, you know, uh, solstice sacrifice, you know, sacrifice in hip-hop, Satanism, hip-hop, you know what I mean, entertainment. It's not a black thing. It's not a, somebody asking, oh, why is it going to be all the white or all the black people, all the black celebs? It's not, it has nothing to do with black or white. It has to do with being celebrities. The Bible says, you know, when you are loved by the world, the love of God is not in you. If the love, if the love of God ain't in you, who, some, something up in you is <laughs> the love of Satan and love for Satan. And a satanic agenda. So if it ain't God, you know it's, it's Satan. You know, and so when you understand what that means, what Satanism is, then you can look for it and you can see it very clearly. So that's, there's a lot going on, man. A lot going on out here in the world. We got some great advice questions that I want to touch on in a little bit. Now, one 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 thing, though, as far as uh, a couple other things going on in the world that I wanted to touch on, what's going on with your man Terry Crews, Courtney? I mean, he revealed that growing up and, you know, early in life, he had some, some issues with pornography. Did you get a chance to, to hear about that? Yeah, I heard about it. He uh, he posted a, a few videos, probably more than a few, uh, about his addiction to porn and how it was destroying his marriage, essentially, and uh, about how his wife, um, Rebecca, almost left him because of it. And um, you know, I'm hearing people say, "Well, why would he? Why would he say that publicly?" And and the thing is, those addictions are real, and I suffered from it at one point in time. Just from when I was like a little girl, up to, it was a long time from like seven to twenty-five, and I would just watch it. And I, I you know, I've said this on the show, but I don't mind saying it again. Like sometimes, um, in my case, you just watch it because you not even for entertainment, but, like, you're trying to um, not deal with something. You're trying to distract yourself from the real issue, from hurt and from pain. And, you know, for me it was, like, not having my dad around among other family issues. And 
for me, porn was like a, a getaway for me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I admire him for speaking up because a lot of people stop. Kirk Franklin actually, who we've actually been speaking about over the last couple of shows as far as his that whole partnership that he's, you know, in allegiance with Kanye West. And, you know, a lot of people talk about stuff from a uh, glorification standpoint, just, you know, but I kind of got a sense that, well, I don't want to say that. I'll just say what it was. I don't know his motivation at, at all. Um, you know, but I will say that I know that from what I've heard and from my perspective, a lot of people who do struggle with pornography um, could benefit from hearing that testimony and that, um, you know, just that, that experience. You know, it's something that's real. We've, as Courtney said, we we did a whole show a few years ago on on uh, pornography and uh, just we've done a show a specific show on porn um, and just how to overcome that specific addiction. We've had a number of Ask State on Device questions pertaining to that in other shows. But then also we one of my all-time favorite shows and, and a lot of people's favorite show uh, that we recently rebroadcasted was our special on just addiction as a whole, sexual addiction, emotional addiction, just going through the, the six uh, phases of addiction. And as Courtney said, that one of the early stages is, you know, you, you're, you're craving something whether it's love, affirmation, significance, value, you know, and a lot of times the addiction starts, you know, or grows because of that initial craving not being met. You know, you figure you want love, so you're lonely, you're, 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 um, you know, just bored a lot of times, just craving someone to love you. That hurts if you don't get that. So a lot of times for many people, depending on what extent you're willing to take it, sometimes people will start doing drugs. They will start drinking alcohol. They will start partying, sex. You know, if they don't want to go out and actually have the sex, maybe they will turn to porn for what? For the temporary distraction of that original pain of not having love. A lot of people say, oh, I'm lonely, I want love. But nobody really, you don't really hear too many people talk about the addictive agents associated with distracting from that pain. It's like if you have a headache, you get some Tylenol, you get some Aleve. For what? To distract you from the headache. You know, aspirin really doesn't, it doesn't fix the headache. It just distracts you from the headache to the point, you know, until the headache actually goes away, you know, on its own. It's a distraction. Alcohol is a distraction. You're hungry, you eat some food to take your mind off of the, the, the pain, you know, or I should say, watch this. A candy bar obviously isn't healthy when you're hungry, but it distracts you from the hunger. Now, what would be healthy would be to actually eat some real healthy food. A lot of people get some M&Ms. Well, that has a negative effect on you, just like porn has a negative effect on you. You know, alcohol, drugs, whatever the addictive agent is, it's all feeding into that you know, that cycle. And so definitely, you know, if you missed that, I mean, that's just a couple-minute synopsis. I mean, we did a three-hour show, you know, on, on addiction. Just Google addiction on the Data on Tolbert show. Check it out on iTunes, and, you know, it, it, I guarantee you'll be blessed um, immensely. Uh, I mean, like, literally, like a lot of people are saying, like, yo, out of, like, the, what, 2,000 shows we've done, like, that's their favorite show of all time. So definitely, um, you know, check that one out. Um, what else is going on uh, out there? But, yeah, definitely, if you missed, real quick, I mean, if you missed that, uh, I posted in the group, if you missed his videos, go on YouTube and, you know, watch him. It's an interesting testimony. Um, now, what else is going on? I saw something on the news about, <laughs> this is funny, man. Let me just take you all back a couple of years. 
you know, we've talked about the Kardashians, you know, a lot over the years, um, just from different perspectives. Um, and, you know, just talking about looking for love. You know, a lot of people give Kim Kim Kardashian a, a hard time, say she's this hoe, she's this, she's that. And I've, I've actually never been, if you, you know, you go back and listen to these shows, even now, I mean, you know I've never really been super hard on Kim Kardashian. <clears throat> you know, and I'll tell you why. You say, well, you know, why do you go so hard on Beyonce and this and that and that, that, that. Well, for me, just if you guys are unfamiliar, for the old you know, old heads and the old head listeners, OG listeners, if you will, you guys know kind of where I'm coming from. But see, somebody like Beyonce, you know, who we talk about from a different perspective, I mean, she's someone who is passionate about pushing. I mean, not just a little bit, not just she doesn't just do it. She's literally passionate about pushing forth a demonic and satanic agenda. She is passionate about pushing forward, you know, that agenda onto these kids. The Bible says that if, you know, you would be better off just tying a freaking boulder around your neck and diving into the water than to cause one of these little kids to sin. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. That's what, I mean, that the punishment will be so harsh for anyone who causes these little kids to sin, they might as well just go drown themselves. But here we have her, and probably more so than anyone I've ever seen in the entertainment industry, you know, who is passionate about negatively influencing little girls to be promiscuous, to show their bodies and their boobs and their boots. I've never seen anything like that. It's like, okay, it's like if you do it, you do it. Like little Kim does it. Like, all right, Nicki Minaj even to a certain extent. Okay, you want to, that's how you want to treat your body, whatever. But when you... When you have a specific agenda of marketing yourself and your songs and your music and your images, your performances to these little girls, that's what I like. I, you know, just even more so now that I have a daughter, it like irks my soul, you know, to no end. So that's one of the reasons why I am so passionate about, uh, you know, people like her. Now, someone like Kim Kardashian, like I said, she's just someone to me who obviously is craving love. And she's going about it in all the wrong way. Like, if you see, she's kind of has been hopping from relationship to relationship. Just, you know, but she's never, for me, never been like someone who was, I, I, I don't know. I mean, not. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending her. I'm not a fan of her at all. But it's just like I can just tell that she has always genuinely, genuinely wanted love and has been going about it the wrong way. And so in talking about, and, you know, and I think a lot of her actions can be seen through much throughout much of the black community, whether it's the sex tape, whether it's like I said, just kind of dealing with different guys, looking for approval, um, going through issues with her father passing away at a young age, dealing with a stepfather issues with her kids. I and mean, we've talked about, you know, we've discussed and used her to discuss a number of situations from a um advice standpoint over the years. And so in talking about her, you often heard us talking about her sister Chloe and uh, Courtney and just, um, you know, issues that they bring to the table and situations that they found themselves in. You know, we've talked about Scott and um, and Courtney, uh, uh, right, Scott and Courtney. And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, but, you know, if you've listened for a while, I mean, I, I'm not a, I told you so, but you guys remember, like, I, I predicted that, what, five, six years ago. I You know, the first time I saw the show and I actually got a chance to see how she interacted with I remember it like it was yesterday. I was like, whoa. You know, we did a whole thing on how I was like, yo, I can't believe she's like the worst possible woman. I said, I've never seen someone treat a guy, 
you know, uh, worse than that. And that was actually during the time when, like, before the drugs, before he was, like, wilding out. Like, he was actually, at that point, from what it's appeared to on the show, be like, like, he was actually trying to be a good father, trying to, wanting to marry her. I think he proposed. She's like, no, I just don't want to marry you, da, da, da. And she was just really treating him hard. I'm like, yo, they're not going to be together in a couple of years. You know, they're going to, in fact, it's going to end very badly. And now, you know, fast forward five, six years, you know, now, obviously, Scott is, they're not together. And like I said, we we talked just like we're talking about now. We talked about it five, six years ago and literally predicted it. Um, now, same way we predicted that, we predicted, um, you know, Chloe. I, we've been talking about Chloe. We talked about Chloe and Lamar back when they first met. Guys, my, we've been on the air a long time, guys. We talked about when they first met. They got married. I said, okay, you know, obviously, that's not going to last. You know what I'm saying? Like, but at the same time, she actually had a lot of, uh, at that time, positive traits. I really liked a lot of things that I saw her doing with and, and for Lamar at that time. And I said, you know, I said, I, I don't believe they're going to stay together, but I like what they are, you know, what what, what you see, what we're seeing. I like that um, at, at that time. Now, fast forward, obviously, we know what happened with Lamar. We've done, we did a whole show in that situation. And she many of you may know, has been dating James Harden, right? Now, here's the thing. I was oh, my gosh, I can't believe they got they, they broke up. And they, now they're saying he cheated on her. Well, guys, come on. And this is what I want to get to. I mean, we all know we've done a million shows on why men cheat. We've talked about the real reasons why men cheat. We've talked about, you know, what it looks like, uh, what kind of man you can expect to attract, ladies, if and when you're emotionally unavailable. And, I mean, obviously, clearly, Chloe is as emotionally unavailable, you know, as anyone. And so it's no surprise that she attracted someone like French Montana. We saw how that played out. Someone, you know, rebound like James Harden. You know, know, she's had sex with the game, um, I'm sorry, no, no, not with the game. He, he. I'm sorry, he smashed Kim Kardashian, uh, who is, you know, obviously married to Kanye West, and they're supposed to, it's just a big mess. But what I'm saying is, y'all, you know, you sh- no one should be surprised that one, she's not no longer, she's no longer with James Harden, but then two, that he did cheat. I mean, come on, you got to ask yourself, ladies. I mean, if you're like, and I'm not saying she was wrong for for how she stuck by Lamar's side at his whole thing. I'm not even saying that. I mean, like, that's someone who obviously, you know, clearly was still very much so important to her. That's where her, or that's a major part of her emotional unavailability. So, and I've said this before, ladies, you cannot expect any man, any man to take you seriously, just like no man would ever take Chloe seriously, when someone like Lamar is that much intertwined in her life. Now, it would be great to be like, oh, well, no, she's just being a good wife and they're not even divorced and, you know, she's just being a friend. Stop it. We all know what it is. We know that's not just a friendship. We know that there's still love there on both sides. And right or wrong, no man is going to come into her life and think that he can pry her away or even try to pry her away emotionally from Lamar. That would just be idiotic. Now, the barbershops are talking. She lost that weight. That body is looking nice. Like, guys see that, and they're like, oh, dang, let me get with a Kardashian. Let me smash it. You know, she's out there being freaky, taking these pictures. And he, a lot of guys out there seeing it, like, oh, yeah, let me just, 
get what I can get. Whereas she's looking for love. She's, like, going to the blogs, going to the media, talking about something. He told me he was looking for long term. He said he wanted to be with me. Come on, ladies. You know, I mean, what do you think he's going to say? I mean, I mean, come on, ladies. You, you got to – and even my counseling session, I can't tell you how many women have told me, oh, my gosh, he told me he was going to love me. He told me that he wasn't dealing with anybody else. Ladies, if a man sees a big butt and he wants to experience that, that big butt sexually, he's going to say and do whatever he needs to say and do. Now, a lot of women are saying, well, why can't he just be honest? Well, ladies, you can, no one is going to, we talked about this online recently, no one is going to be honest. I mean, should he be honest? Could I mean, sure, I guess. But that's like an, a, a burglar saying, hey, look, I'm going to break into your house. You know, just leave the door unlocked for me so I don't got to break your window. No, come on. No one's going to be honest with you. Why, why can't he just tell me he wants to steal my purse? Why has he got to sneak around? Why can't he just be honest? <laughs> like, no one's going to do that. Just like James Harden is going to be like, well, Chloe, you're a Kardashian. You got a nice body. Everybody wants to be able to, be able to say, oh, yeah, I smashed the Kardashian. So that's really all I'm doing. No one's going to say that. He's not going to say that. I mean, have you been following that whole situation, Chloe? Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of messy because you see a lot of um, I don't know about what he was saying about it, but I, I I did see a lot of the stuff that Chloe was saying, and she was posting things on social media and just saying how. You know, just posting little memes about how he didn't love her or, you know, things like that. And, and you, you got to see, like, everything that she was dealing with emotionally. And um, that's why it's just so important, like we always talk on the sh- about on the show, that it's so important to heal and from, you know, previous relationships. And we see that she has not healed from Lamar Odom. And I think she was trying to... Um, heal with James Harden, you know, she was trying to get into that relationship hoping that she would get over Lamar, but it doesn't work like that. It never works. You have to heal first. Right. I mean, you really, and it's, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't do a radio show and I don't have a reality show. I don't broadcast my feelings, but you broadcast your feelings on Facebook. What's your your status updates? But your you, you just like Chloe was posting the memes. You're posting memes too. You gotta oh I'm over him and this and that and that. You can't broadcast your your whole life, your whole personal life, and like the negatives and expect men to look at you. I mean you can do it. I mean if, if you want to. I mean it's your page. But I'm just saying if somebody is looking at that. You're going to attract men. No one's going to be like, oh, yeah, she's posting subliminal messages about this dude. She's going through this and that emotionally. But so let me go ahead and settle for only 60 or 70% of her heart. I mean, obviously her, her heart is, you know, 40% of her heart is dedicated elsewhere, whether it's a guy, whether it's family issues, whether it's, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm good with 60%. You know, I'm cool with that. Nobody wants 60 or 70% of your heart, ladies. You know, when you make it clear that somebody else has your heart, you're still hurting, you're still grieving. Chloe, I'd be surprised if she could even give, you know, 20% of her heart, let alone 100. So I think that, you know, she's that's why she's attracting the French Montanas, the, the James Hardens, like those types of rapper guys and, you know, guys who clearly aren't looking for love, just looking to, 
you know, she slimmed down, and now she's flaunting that body, taking new pictures and this and that. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, she's had them clear. I've watched this. I don't watch it anymore, but for a while, I mean, me and my wife, I mean, that was, like, in our rotation. We would watch the Kardashians every every Sunday. Like, that's when we were, you know, taught using them a lot as examples to discuss what's going on uh, with a lot of women out here from an uh, emotional standpoint. And, you know, we got a chance to see, you know, a lot of the um, the daddy issues, the, the paternity issues. I mean, how she to this day, refuses to take a paternity test. I mean, I just say, well, it's uh, just a little coincidental. She doesn't look anything like her sisters or even her mom. But, now, you know, they said, well, Chloe, you know what, why don't you just take the take the paternity? She's, she's bur- she went, I went crazy. I'm like, yo, I'm not taking a paternity. Just leave me alone about it. She, like, went off on everybody. It's like, yo, what's the big deal? But it's like that type of stuff reeks of emotional unavailability, and it's, it's definitely the reason why, or one of the main reasons why she's attracting um, the type of guys she's attracting. Again, I'm not here to tell, I told you so, or anything like that. I mean, it's just that, you know, what we do here, we try to help. We use all, the only, be clear, we're not, this isn't gossip, right? This is specifically d- done to help, you know, women out there who who can see themselves in Chloe's shoes right now. They've been dogged, been dogged by a James Harden in their life. They've had the fling like she had with French Montana. You know, she has the Lamar Odom who still secretly or maybe not so secretly has her heart. Like, you, maybe that's you. And I can I know a lot of women who that actually is them, you know, step by step. You know, and so hopefully you you can learn from these situations. Maybe you've been the Kim Kardashian looking for love your whole life, but now just happen to end up with a crazy guy like Kanye West, and you're trying to figure out is he the one? Deep down, you know he's not. And be clear, I'm not into the predictions, but I mean, you know, I've said it, you know, a couple of years ago. I've reiterated. I mean, not only is that going to end, I think we all know it's going to end. But I, like I said, pray for those kids. Um, pray for them. Pray for everybody involved because that in particular, okay, be clear, is is not going to end well. It's going to be a disaster, I believe, unlike any disaster that we've seen in modern history, to be quite honest. So when you see, when you wake up one morning, you see something on TMZ, the news, just remember, like, I'm just being honest with you because the only reason I say that is because if you look at the concept of emotional availability, you know, and just how that works, you know, I can't think of anyone who I would say is more emotionally unavailable than Kim Kardashian. And I really can't think of anyone that I would say is more of a, what I call a non-elite man, you know, someone who's clearly, you know, just out there, like, other than Kanye West. I mean, that's who you pray not to end up with. So you put those two types, I mean, like the both far extremes, like, you know what I mean? Like the most anti-godly man that could possibly be the most emotionally unavailable woman there could possibly be. And then you put them together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everything that we talk about in this show is like two total extremes. That's not going to end well. So, again, pray for the, pray for those kids especially because they're really going to be the ones that um, – and I mean, I'm already hearing stuff in the news now. I, mean, I don't know. I'm not in the media takeout, but I'm already hearing stuff like, oh, they're you – know, I'm, I'm just saying pray for them. Uh, what else is going on out here, man? A lot of stuff going on out here in the world. Um, there was a a uh, discussion online that we had recently uh, in regards to style of dress, 
you know, we were talking over in the friends group that I posted a picture of a uh, of a woman, you know, who was wearing a certain dress and had a pretty high slit up the up the uh, the thigh. Did you get a chance to check that out, Courtney? Yes, I saw I saw a picture of that dress. Now, we we here's the thing: we talk about stuff like that. You know, I said, ladies, would you wear this? You know, now, again, I'm not into the whole let's judge a particular woman because for me it's not about the woman. It's really about the outfit and, you know, where, you know, just how you feel. Like, would you wear it? Uh, some women said, you know, well, first of all, I saw, I got the picture from another group, which I call like the sex groups, you know, like the secular groups where they just kind of talk about whatever. And the post got like, it was like 200 thumbs up. Like everybody liked it. Everybody, like 99 excuse me, 99% of the women said they would wear it, like, on that thread, and the guys were, like, going crazy over it. But then, interestingly enough, you post in a Christian group like we have, you know, most women were saying they wouldn't wear it. A couple people, I think, said they would wear it. And first of all, Courtney, is that a dress that I will uh, see you in somewhere online at some event uh, on a date? Yes or no? No, I ain't going outside with that. No, no, no. Here's the thing about the thing about that. I mean, for me, I mean, I don't, you know, like I say, you wear it, you wear it, you don't. My whole thing is, because that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to judge people. I'm not here to tell people what to do. That's not what I've ever done. That's not what I want to do. What I want to do is help is kind of bridge the gap between how men think and how women think. Like, I, it's important for women to understand what it is. It's like if you choose to wear that dress, hey, cool, more power to you. But just understand that if your goal is love, if your goal is respectability, is to be, uh, you know, cherished and, you know, wifed up, meaning actually proposed to, actually, you know, um, you know, taken home to meet somebody's mother, that's not the dress that's going to do it for you. And, you know, we, we look at society, they put so much emphasis on sex, and again, you see, and it's so it's so much deeper. Like people look at it from the surface, like oh, you hear you hear sex sells, but it's so much deeper than just sex selling. It all everything goes back to what God loves and what God hates. When you look at you know what God has designed, you know the the natural order of things. It's you know um, you know not fornicating. It's getting married, having a family, having kids, having actual love have you know the the uh, the uplifting of actual households that are together and stable you know and loving and, and you know praying together those are things that God loves that's what God hates or excuse me that's what God loves so if you look at what God hates you know you look at the the sexuality of it all you look at the environment that's been created that is really taking away the foundation for us to be able to build and maintain successful families you can't, ladies, put yourself out there in a sexualized manner, but then expect a man to love and cherish you. You know what I'm saying? So if, if a man can't love and cherish you, and then if he can't respect you, then he's not going to marry you. He's not going to be with you. He, no, he will sleep with you in many cases, in most cases. But after the sex, whether that's unprotected, whether that's whatever, I mean, it's it may result in children, it may not. But either way, he's gone. And I hear, I'm hearing more than I've ever heard in my life. It's amazing how times are changing. I'm hearing more and more women, Christian women, saying, well, Daydon, I mean, I hear you, but 
I don't know if I believe that because I'm seeing a lot of women out here who are having sex. I'm seeing a lot of women out here who are dressing like hoes. I'm seeing them getting wiped up. So, I mean, I don't know. I've been listening to you for five years, but I don't know. Over those years, Dana, and I've seen a lot of people who I know aren't Christian women. I know they're not emotionally available. I see them getting married. And I'll tell them, I'll tell you guys the same thing that I tell them. You gotta be careful about that, ladies, because one, everything that glitters is not gold. You know, every man that you see is not a man of God. Every woman that you see walking down that aisle is not happy and is not a woman of God in many cases. And so what happens is you gotta look at the divorce rate. You know what I'm saying? You gotta look at the, the percentage of people who are actually getting divorced. I know a lot of people, most people I know would rather break up with someone than to get divorced with than some, with someone or from someone. I know a lot of people who would rather end a relationship than to have to fight over custody or have to chase somebody down for child support. And so that's how those situations end. That's what you don't, that's what the devil doesn't want you to see. He wants you to see them walking down. Now, he wants you to see on your news feed pop up, oh, so-and-so got married or got engaged. You know, that's what he wants you to see so he can put those thoughts in your mind. You don't see the hurt, pain, and resentment that comes later on down the line as a result of that that marriage or that relationship that was based upon emotional unavailability. So you really just got to um, understand what true men of God look for. A true man of God, a quality man, he's not going to wife up somebody with that dress on. Somebody like that is, is somebody thinking, yeah, I have to do this. I have to dress like this in order for him to want me. Nobody dresses like that who is secure with themselves. You know, because when you're secure with yourself, you know, like, oh, he wants me because of me. He doesn't just want me because of my big butt, you know, this these thighs that I got. I have to show him that, otherwise he won't want me. And that's a sad, you know, state to be in. So don't let these... uh these memes of hoes be winning, these these ridiculous sex groups with 20,000 people, everybody talking about, you know, different secular topics. I mean, th- those are all, you know what I mean? Th- nobody's happy in those groups. You know, they, those are, I'll tell you, I've said this before, but it's just, you know what I mean? Those are groups I got kicked out of. That's Those are the groups that are the reason for the Friends of the Data on Tolbert Show group. When you come in there, you know, telling women or encouraging women to, you know, respect their bodies, Cover, have some class, cover up that ass, you know, posting Bible verses. You know, people are talking about sex 24-7. You know, they don't want to be around that. So they, I get kicked out of those groups. I just got kicked out of another group recently. I mean, so I'm not – that doesn't bother me. Jesus got kicked out of a lot of, uh, you know, places too. For You know, we all know how that ended for Jesus, you know what I mean, spreading a certain message. So, I mean, that's how we all have to look at it. You know, if you get kicked out or you are, you know, ignored on social media or, you know, or whatever. You just got to um, continue. You know, you ever been kicked out of some place or, or ostracized because of a, a certain message or felt like you had to dress like a, a certain way to fit in or have sex, Courtney, or talk a certain way or behave a certain, in a certain manner? All of the above. I'm trying to figure out where do I start first. Um, yes, I felt like I had to dress a certain way to fit in with what I saw, you know, other hoes doing. You know, as I said, other, because I was a hoe <laughs> at one point. But I felt like I had to do that, you know, to get attention. I felt like I had to dress that way. And then, um, you know, fast forward, just once I started 
living for God, and I got into, like you said, those groups and posting scriptures. I actually got kicked out of a couple groups as well. I actually was attacked. So <laughs> I, I understand how that side is, but I don't mind that. I don't mind that, standing up for Jesus Christ. Yeah, in fact, there was a, um, speaking of hoes, there was a, um, a question online, one of the uh, Ask Data Unadvised questions was, um, you know, if a woman cheats on a on her, and I'm paraphrasing, but she, if she, she cheats on her, her man, you know, is she A, a hoe, B, you know, uh, just someone who's unsatisfied at home, C, I forget the other choices, but it was basically just asking different, you know, is she this, is she that, and, you know, really seeking uh, alternatives for the obvious, which is that she's a hoe. I think a lot of women, you know, and I'll say women, they have an issue with that uh, because they've felt that way. You know, they've dated guys where, you know, who put them into a uh, situation where they felt, you know, unappreciated and they felt tempted to cheat or, or did cheat and, and could actually articulate the reasons for cheating. You know, but the reality is, is just as valid as some of those reasons are, not justifications, no rationalizations, but as valid as their particular reasons are in their cases, you got to understand, in many cases, men have those same reasons. You know, and there's a definite double standard because when men, you know, cheat, there, there's not even a conversation of why he cheated. It's just, oh, he cheated. He's a dog. He's immature. He's afraid of commitment. He's a bastard. You know what I mean? It's just like that's just what it is, you know, and nobody's really interested. In fact, you know, until we actually have done multiple shows on, you know, well, let's take a look at, you know, what the environment, like our environment looks like when that leads to us having, uh, you know, uh, being unfaithful because there are are tons of reasons. And there are many ways to avoid men and women being cheated on, and we talk about those reasons. So, you know, if you miss any of our shows, that we've ever done on, um, you know, why men cheat, you know, why women cheat, you know, why women are seeking out men of other races, why men are seeking women of other, or, uh, you know, women of other races as well. So, you know, check out check out those shows because it's it's all important information. One of the most powerful uh, shows that we've done over the years is our special on War Room. A lot of you guys saw the movie War Room. It's the favorite movie of a lot of people. Uh, And we talked about it from a uh, perspective of how to build and maintain a successful marriage, one of my personal favorite shows that we've done. Um, So, you know, check that out because, you know, when you you do that, when you are laying the foundation for building a a successful marriage, you know, there's not going to be infidelity. There there is going to be uh, stimulation, you know, so that on on all fronts, so there isn't that uh, temptation to cheat. You know that temptation to step out and seek comfort, you know, in the arms of you know, someone else. What else? What else is going on out of here? Let's um, let's just jump into some of these uh, ask they don't advice questions and uh, and get up out of here, man. We we say ask they don't advice hour, but you know it's already been an hour. We don't. I don't think I don't know the last time we did a just an hour show, but you know we'll get back to it at uh you know at some point. There was an interesting meme that I posted recently, though. Um, it was of a, of a guy. It said, uh, "It says guys be like, I think she's moving on. Let me hit her up real quick." And I asked, you know, in the group, you know, have any women experienced that? Is that something that you uh, 
you liked Courtney? Could you relate to that? You know, a guy just, you know, randomly popping up or right right at that moment when you feel like you're ready to move on? Yes. I was just, um, when I saw that, I recall the time in college where I stopped dealing with the guy because, you know, obviously he was a jerk, and I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And so I, I moved on, and, you know, we stopped talking, and um, I just thought, you know, I never expected to hear from him. But I remember one time I was just, like, in my room, like my dorm, and my phone rang, and um, I answered it, and he was like, hey, stranger. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, hey, what's going on? So basically, you know, he tried to make it seem like, you know, he missed me and just wanted to catch up to see how I was doing. He hadn't heard from me in a while, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the conversation, he was like, okay, you know, all right, well, don't be a stranger, call me. And I remember after the end of that conversation, I actually felt good. I was feeling myself because, you know, being delusional, I told myself that he actually wanted me. Like, oh, he wants me back, or he realized that he missed out on something. When in reality, he just wanted to hit, you know, one more time, a couple more times. So that happens. That stuff really happens. I mean, and that's really, I mean, you you said it, I mean, because, you know, that delusion for many women will, like, it creates that alternate universe that makes it okay to to do something that deep down you know is you know is not going to have a positive result you know and um you know I myself have been the sender of many of those texts you know hey sexy hey what's up beautiful long time no see what's going on hey strange like all that stuff is was like you know routine and i mean you just it's you guys got to understand, because I hear women saying, well, you know, we used to talk, but we lost touch, and we reconnected, and now we're trying to see if we can make things work. Ladies, that is a fantasy. <laughs> I have experienced literally thousands of situations through calls into the show, questions written into the show, private one-on-one counseling sessions. I mean, literally thousands. And I've heard so many of those situations over the course of my life, and none of them ever work out. Okay, none of them, not one. You know, in fact, in fact, the worst stories that I've ever heard, and you guys know I've heard a lot of stories, they actually start out like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, we reconnected, or oh, you know, we lost touch, or oh, we started out as friends. That stuff never works out. And so you got to look at it from the perspective of, of understanding how men think, which is if a man wants you, he's not going to let you go to begin with. He's not going to want to just let you walk away and then you date somebody and he starts dating somebody else and then y'all wander back to each other. No, no, no. no. If he wanted you, he would have never let you go to begin with. And if he comes back or if he says, there's a lot of times it's, it's even in the wording that message you up. It's not even he didn't come back. Sending a text message saying, hey, what's up, sexy, is not him coming back. That's not him saying, oh, let's get back together and actually meeting it. That's like just trying to open the lines of communication so that, as Courtney said, he can just hit one more time. That's all it's about. It's about sex one more time. We as men have an in- insatiable desire for achievement, okay? 
That's what it is. A lot of you guys are achievements. It's competition. You know, why do you think John Madden football has been around for 20, 30 years? It's because that competition, that that ongoing desire to be the best, to do things that we haven't done before is always there. So if, in your mind, if a woman says, whatever, I'm done with you, you know, and this is someone who used to ravage, have her swinging from the chandelier, tossing her around, doing all types of crazy stuff, and then for her to say, I'm done with you, don't call me anymore, da da da. The ultimate challenge for that man is to not quote unquote get back with you, right? But the sex to get you up hanging from that chandelier one more time. That's what it's all about. I'm telling you that because I've been there. Nobody wants to get back with you. They first of all, they weren't even with you to begin with. If you really think back. Like that guy that Courtney's talking about, he was never with her. He was having sex with her. So in Courtney's delusional mind at that point, she said, oh, he wants me back. Well, he never had you to begin with. He, was just sleeping. he just wanted the sex one more good time. And so that's, where, that's the role that, role that the enemy plays is in, in, uh, in facilitating that delusion, you know, because, you know, you just got to understand what it is. Nobody is going to, you know, text you when they're really serious about being with you and rekindling and actually treating you in a manner that says, you know, I, I messed up before, I want to make things right this time. You know, I I went ahead and got into another relationship, right? <laughs> but that didn't work out, so now I've decided that I love you. No, <laughs> you wouldn't be seeking another relationship to begin with. You know, if it's like, oh, you know, he cheated on me. But now he's back and he wants to be, you know, he, he's changed. And that very well may be true because men do change. But as I've said before, men never change how they view you. And that's a very important thing to uh, to clarify there. You have to learn that the hard way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You don't want, you know, and that's just, you know, it can be a very tough pill to swallow. But I think once you understand what it is, then you, then at that point, you never settle for uh, less than you, you know, want to deserve. So yeah, when you get that text, ladies, and you know, I always post this in the group from time to time. You know, women will never get this right, man. Some women will, a very select few will, but most of the time, guys, get, you know, women get that text. What, what do women? What corner you tell me? What do, the, what do most women usually do once they get that text? They ignore it, or they'll text back. That's one of the worst things that could be done. Is I mean, both of them are the worst things that can be done. Ignoring it is the worst thing that can be done because, you know, if you see a mouse crawling around your house, you're not going to ignore it. You're not going to ignore it, hope he just goes away. No, you're going to be proactive, I hope, you know, and get some get some mouse traps and, you know, clean your kitchen up and this, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be proactive to deal with the problem. So why would you just ignore a text? You would only ignore the text if, in fact, you don't view it as a problem, which many women don't. Now, oh, this, cause in many, let's be real. In many cases, the women actually enjoy the attention. Oh, yeah, this nigga want me back. He wants this good stuff back. No, nah, he, he just wants to smash. But for many women, that satisfies that, that, that quota for affirmation. And attention, you know, or I should say the 
the attention hopefully you know will lead to the affirmation, but it never does. You know, it's just again that's part of that delusion. And so, um, so yeah, so there's the ignoring uh, that. So obviously he'll you know he'll you ignore him. He pops back up two weeks later, six months later, whatever it is. So that, and that's that, be clear that is a form of emotional unavailability. If you have guys out there who are texting you, you know what I'm saying, or periodically. You're going to be single. Nobody. That's that's emotional unavailability. No, no one's going to, you know, take you seriously. You got to nip that stuff in the butt. So, you know, again, you don't want to text back. Don't text back. Don't call because again, the whole thing is a game. If a guy sends a text, he wants a response. Don't give him a response, even if the response is "Don't call me anymore" or whatever. You're still giving him a response nonetheless. You got to pick up that phone. And make sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he knows never to pick up that phone call again. I told somebody a, um, a story uh, on one of my sessions this past week about the same thing. And, I, and the reason why I've helped so many women cut off those guys for good is because I know what it takes to get cut off. I know what, it, what a woman has to say. I know what it has to sound like, what it has to feel like. You know, because it's happened actually really, to be quite honest with you, I think like one one time that I've ever felt like that. Like, wow, it's really – I had this young woman, it was a, it was a sexual on and off again, uh, you know, situation. It wasn't a relationship, but a situation. And so we just sleep with each other, you know, like a friends with benefits thing. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we liked each other, had some, some feelings there. But, you know, it was what we got into. Y'all know how – you know, sometimes it's just sex. Like, I know how it goes. Sometimes it's, so it's no arguments, no no nothing, no real serious conversation. But then after a certain while, at some point, some situations, it, you know, some feelings get involved, and y'all start, y'all start bickering a little. Y'all start actually arguing because that's where you know that the feelings are starting to get uh, get caught up in it. And so we start arguing over stupid stuff. And, you know, things got a little heated after a while. And I said some things, she said some things, and I guess I went too far. And so we lost touch. She's like, F you, Dana, F you. I was like, whatever, All right, that's cool. So we just lost touch. We didn't, we didn't speak for a while. And so, you know, same thing. I guess she was moving on, or we hadn't spoken a while. So I was going through my phone. I hit her up. I, I, I texted her. And uh, wait, wait, hold on. I'm trying to say. Let me get the story right. No, no, I, I texted her, and I didn't get a response. And I was texting her, like, what's up? What's going on? And, then I, and so I called, and I heard, and it's someone I had dealt with for, you know, for a while. And so I, so I was very used to hearing her voice, and I, you know, she picked up, said hello, she said hello, but the way she said hello was like unlike I had ever heard her before, and she was like, I was like, do you know who this is? Like, because oh, I'm my, my pride was a little. I'm like, yo, she must not know who this is. She must have thought I was somebody. She must have deleted my number. Thought I was somebody else. I was like, yo, you know who this is, right? Say like, yes, I know who this is, and I don't ever want you to call or contact me again. Do you understand? I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, what? <laughs> like, she, she was done. Like, you know what? It was, it was crazy. And it's still, you know, I can still remember it very clearly because, again, of all the women that I've dealt with, I had never experienced that level of, of severity you know, in, in her in a woman's tone before, like as far and and I knew, 
she was serious. Like, there was no doubt that she was serious. Now, again, I wasn't, you know, I didn't lose any sleep over that, you know what I mean? But Because obviously I didn't want her anyway. Otherwise, I, again, like I said earlier, I wouldn't have let her go the first time. It, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't, it wouldn't have been like that. We would have been together if I wanted to be together. But I, she let me know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, you know what I'm saying, she was done. So I'm just telling you, ladies, hopefully you can take that story and understand what it takes. Because a lot of women, I know, don't get me wrong, I've had women tell me, don't call him no more. Don't get that twisted. That wasn't the first time for that. But they didn't mean it. You understand that? It wasn't for real. And so which which perpetuated the, um, you know, the game. That's when it became a game of cat and mouse. Okay, she told me not to call, so let me show a better job. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me get this sex one more time. You see how that works? So, you know, it's deep. It's deep. I mean, how do you feel? I mean, does that help out a little bit, Courtney? I mean, as, just from a, a woman's standpoint? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I understand completely, you know, what needs to be said. And I I was just telling someone this week um, that I work with the same thing, that you have to be serious about it. I, I'll say this. I understand the struggle, though. I understand the, the hesitation that um, a lot of us women feel as to, you know, why we can't quite cut it off or we try to say, oh, you know, don't contact me anymore, but we're, you could tell like in our voice we're a little shaky and, and there's some uh, uncertainty and that man can tell. And so, you know, it's just very important just to realize that you deserve better than someone that can just, is, is perfectly fine, you know, walking in and out of your life. It's like at a certain point it has to stop. Oh, yeah, definitely. I have a, uh, we're going to do one more question. I have an Ask State On advice question, and you guys can send questions to, uh, you know, On at trctoday.com if you have, uh, you know, advice questions that you would like to hear uh, discussed on the show or, you know, uh, or want to set up a private, you know, one-on-one advice session, free consultations for anybody uh, that wants to, uh, you know, call 855-5500 or send an email or inbox on Facebook, whatever. Direct message me. Shout out to everybody who tuned into our special from a couple of weeks ago. On it goes down in the DM social media hookups. Very very uh, entertaining show. I've been told so. A lot of people learn some things just from a uh, social media standpoint. Because yeah, it definitely goes down in some of y'all's DMs out there. So we talked about that whole uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter hookup situation. Uh, but here's a question that I have from a, a gentleman, actually. He says, um, and he wants some advice about his relationship, so we'll, we'll give it to him. He says, um, hey, Daydon, I'm a 30-something professional black male currently engaged to a professional black woman of the same age. I've been listening to your show now for some months while commuting to and from work, and I find that the relationship you give is a breath of fresh air. It's good to know that I'm not the only male that tends to apply logic and common sense to not only life, but especially relationships. I was once married before, but after a year of that marriage, we separated and divorced. One of my issues that I had before was, uh, before I married my ex-wife was that she was uh, loving and affectionate and made me feel wanted. But when I put the ring on her finger, 
all of that changed. I got nothing but rude attitude and or disrespect. And even after we married, our sex life went downhill. I think I, I think I saw the red flags, but I convinced myself that that this is what it means when they say that marriage is tough and you have to work through it. Now I find myself pretty much in the same situation with my current fiance, meaning she used to be loving and affectionate, but now that we're engaged and I've moved in with her uh, from another state, I feel that she's withdrawn herself from me. After being in a long-distance relationship for years and hinting that she wanted to get married to me, you would think that she'd act like it's good to finally be together, but it sort of feels like she wants to hang on to this notion of being independent and inconsiderate of how her attitude affects my feelings. I've been labeled by her as having high expectations and too emotional, and it gets on her nerves. Somehow our Christian-based premarital counselor agrees with her in that aspect, which baffles me. Either way, all I ask for is affection and respect. It's to the point where when I don't get the love and affection I deserve, we get into arguments of which I tend to get out of character and start yelling because I don't understand why she thinks it's okay to treat me that way. Mind you, this display of independence and rudeness was never present before we got engaged. I come from a loving two-parent home. She has a mother, but the biological father was not present. She had a a stepdad, uh, but his marriage to her mom was turmoiled with infidelity on his part, as far as I know. I sometimes want to invite her to listen to your show, but I know that she will only reject pretty much everything you say and add more conflict between us. I still love my fiancé very much, but feel like I'm conforming to her agenda and I'm now undecided. And to top it off, she knows what I went through with my ex-wife, which is pretty much the same scenario, and she said she would never treat me like she did. I guess my question is, why do some women flip the script after a man shows all his intentions of being a loving husband who will do everything in his power to love, support, and protect her. Thanks, Daydon, and God bless. You know, this is a very interesting situation, and, you know, we've done a number of barbershop talk shows over the years where you guys have got an opportunity to hear um, what, not only what we're looking for in a wife, but the things that we're not looking for in a wife. And, you know, a lot of this stuff you guys have, have heard just from the mouths of men over the years um, and it's a really good question because it's real. And I talk to men even now who are in many of these situations. And to be quite honest with you, I mean, you know, we'll talk about it. But a lot of the, the things that are being seen here or heard here are actually the foundation for infidelity. You know, because the reality is a lot of men won't necessarily call this this uh, engagement off. A lot of men will go on to marry this woman, but because things don't aren't changing, you know, there are such a thing like called jump-offs out here. You know, it's not right, but, you know, it does often happen because, you know, well, we'll talk about it. But, Courtney, just as a woman hearing this, um, what at first, as I mean, obviously you're a woman, so, um, you know, your opinion is going to be different towards a man. But just from a woman's standpoint, what advice would you have for this guy? What's your take on it? 
Well, just based off of what I heard, I mean, it's apparent that the women that um, he's dealt with, because I see a pattern, um, you know, deal with, are are emotionally unavailable and are dealing with various issues. And it seems like with both of the um, women, it's like a um, power struggle between the two of them. And it just seems like he knows that it's an issue, but instead of walking away, he wants to you know, try to change them or wants to try to convince them to be someone that they're not. So my advice, I mean, would honestly be to to walk away from her because you can't change her. Like, she, that's something that she needs to do on her own and with God's help and she needs to heal. But my question would be, why why does he continue to deal with women and put up with that? So I would just ask to, you know, really seek God just to develop discernment, you know, to know what type of woman you're dealing with, if that makes sense. Here's the thing. See, let me just, I want to just start off because there's a lot of things that some things I think jump out, but then there's a lot of other things in here that I think, you know, are a little bit more subtle but are playing a major role here. And if you look at Again, you have to have God at the foundation of any relationship. Not to say that this, you know, that this uh, is not that the case there, but you know, He does say that, um, you know, what He say, you know, before we were, you know, in the beginning, they were, you know, she was loving and affectionate, made me feel wanted, you know. But when I put the ring on her finger, all that changed. I got an attitude and disrespect. Now, even and then, uh, you know, He's talking about the sex. You know, and that also changed. And one of the things that you got to realize is that when you have sex with someone, when you sleep with someone, you know, prematurely, premarital, that is going to change the dynamic of the relationship. You know, you can't fornicate. You can't say, okay, we want to have God here at the foundation, but we're going to do something that specifically separates us from from God, but then they still expect to have the blessings of God because that's the only thing that can actually keep a relationship together, you know, is, you know, God, really, because, you know, there's so many issues. That's what people have to realize, you know. That's one of the reasons why people say, that, you know, marriages are tough, you know, and, and relationships, regular relationships are even tougher because of the world. There's so many worldly influences, and there's only one way to com- combat, you know, the the challenges of the world, and that's with God, whether it's temptations, whether it's attitudes, whether it's work work stuff, children, all that stuff is not natural. It's not, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's designed to destroy relationships. And so you, if you're not leaning on God, it, those things will destroy you. To destroy any relationship, everything, every single one of those things that I named. So that's why marriage, you know, it, when done correctly, when done with the foundation of God, it, they can be successful. But how many people get married for the wrong reasons? How many people, you know, are, are betraying marriage vows, but then they're expecting relationships to succeed? So that's the, that's the first thing that I noticed. It's like, all right, you got sex in the midst, you know, of these of this relationship. And then all of a sudden you see stuff changing. Now, so there's that. But then also, you know, I definitely think this is a case where, um, you know, he's attracting a certain type of emotionally unavailable woman. You know, a lot of times what happens is women have such a desire to be loved, to be married. They do a very good job of hiding 
uh, emotional unavailability. You know, certain men are, are you know, are going to are going to pick up on those things immediately. Um, other men are, you know, kind of maybe sometimes see it and ignore it, right? They they don't. It's not a, as big of a deal, um, and so they say, you know what? I'll deal with it. I'll marry her anyway, or maybe she'll change, or maybe it won't be as big of a deal. And so I think what happens is, after a while, two two things happen. One, you can't, as a woman, you can't hide it. You can only hide it, but but so much. If you've got an attitude, if you're emotionally unavailable, that's going to be seen. Your true self is going to come out at some point. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. But then on the other hand, as a man, we're going to react to that. Whereas in the beginning, it's like, okay, I'll ignore that, or I'll deal with that, or I won't really trip, or whatever. But after a certain point, we reach our, our our limit. We can only deal with so much, and so it's like a, it's like a train wreck waiting to happen. You know, it's like two people. Um, they're just like it's like a time bomb waiting to go off. The woman expressing herself, the man responding to that, or vice versa. And so it just ends up being a train wreck. So I think at, at some point, both people have to just be honest with themselves. You know, and really say, is this someone I want to be linked to forever? Um, is this someone that um, I can be linked with, you know, or without without killing her or myself? You know what I mean? And vice versa. And if the answer to that question is no, um, then, then you have to be strong enough and spiritually mature enough to actually walk away. Because a lot of times people come to these realizations like, whoa, this is actually not where I want to be. Yes, we're engaged, but... I really don't like what I'm seeing here, so I'm going to walk away. A lot of people don't do that. And so they actually still go ahead and get married for a number of reasons, one of those major reasons being because they have a lack of faith that they will ultimately find, you know, so, who they really want to be with. And they're already at a certain age, and do they want to start back over from scratch? And usually the answer to that question is no. So they say, all right, well, we've already been together for a year and a half, two years, so I might as well try to make this work than to start off from scratch. But, you know, you see how that often ends. And so you really just got to have that faith. And like I said at the beginning, put God first. And we can talk about so much other stuff, but, you know, with this particular situation, but I think that's the ultimate issue. You know, he's basically discussing or asking for help on how to make a bad situation better. I mean, they're already seeking a Christian counselor. I I mean, that's... I don't know what that what that counselor is telling them, but I know if I was that counselor, I'd probably tell them, hey, you guys may want to really take a look at, you know, can do you, first of all, can you make this work and do you really want to make this work? You know, uh, you know, really take a look at where that attitude from her is coming from. You know, maybe it is. A lot of women have a, um, they use that attitude as a defense mechanism because as they get closer to, really what they've always wanted, you know, it's kind of like their own way of sabotaging it, you know, and they, you know, they're so used to disappointment. They're so used to things falling apart. A lot, you'd be surprised. A lot of women actually sabotage their own relationships. You know, men do it too, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so that's just a very common trait when you're used to disappointment and used to having a certain result. So, I mean, like I said, there could be a number of different reasons, but I definitely think it, it requires some therapy. I think it requires some prayer. And really just intense self-reflection on is this the man or woman 
that God ultimately has for me. You know, I think that, you know, I've never seen, I've never asked that question and, you know, someone say yes, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt if we're on a counseling session. 100% of the time it's either no or, uh, well, I'm not sure. Maybe. Like, it's something like that. And we all should know by now that God is not the uh, author of confusion or doubt or uncertainty. And so if you see any of those traits in any relationship, I mean, that should be an indicator that that's not the person that God has for you. What do you think about that, Courtney? I mean, is that, is that, does that answer the question? It may not be the answer that some people are looking for, but I think it answers the question. But it's the truth, yeah. It is. So, guys, like I told y'all, um, we, there's, there's some more questions, but we're, we're going to wrap it up right now. We'll, we'll come back a little bit later on in the week um, and uh, maybe over the weekend or early next week, you know, with uh, you know with some more great topics, more great shows. Just, um, you know, continue listening, you know, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's relationships, whether it's, you know, anything else that's going on in the world. You know, I just want to encourage everyone to, you know, just really think and, and to, you know, use their discernment. Because even the stuff that we talked about at the beginning, like, it's not what's popular. It's not what you're going to hear on CNN or NBC. It's not going to be what goes viral on social media. And it's it's going to be, if, if you get the information, if you, it's only going to be because you seek it out. Not your Facebook friends aren't going to be. Oh yeah, did you hear this and that? No, it's going to be something you actually got to really think for yourself, and you know, and decide what's important to you. You know, any last minute words of wisdom, Courtney, that you want to leave with the people? Yes, I'll say that. Don't allow your current circumstances to make you feel as if God has forgotten about you, because God has not forgotten about you. It's so important just to to stay focused and just build that relationship with God and trust and believe that he has, he'll do exactly what he said he'll do for you. There it is. That's it. One of, I'm going to leave you all with one of, one of something I said online um, in regards to relationships. You know, I said online, uh, ladies, you know, never love a man who's unwilling or unable to love you back, only blocking your blessing and will cause you to miss out on the man that God truly has for you in the long run. And, you know, I see a lot of that. You know, it's like, and that's why I said unwilling or unable, because some men are unable, other men are just unwilling, and that's that's just not the man for you. Uh, and he doesn't want you to be the woman for him. And it's important to be able to recognize that relatively early. You know, you don't have to be with somebody for six, seven months. I mean, this is the time of the year where, you know, kind of people kind of start settling in. Like I was looking at the ratings and the statistics on the show, and every year this like January is like the ratings spike, like just crazy, like crazy numbers. Like our first show of the year, first live show, it's like always the highest rated show of the year. And then you know people kind of taper off, and it kind of goes to our normal listenership or whatever throughout the year. But um, you know, and so I just say, you know, if if there were certain resolutions that were made, if there were certain decisions that were made, you know, stick with it. Don't, you know, allow him to come. Like, if you were going to be done with him in, in December, then be done with him. You know, don't let him come back in late February, early March. Like, really stick to it, you know, and um, don't allow loneliness or, or comfort 
say, oh, no, I'm just going to, you know, go back or give another shot because that's only going to prolong, you know, the inevitable. And um, so, guys, thank you for, again for listening. I'm about to go watch this debate. You know, like I said, I watch these debates. I mean, they're actually very entertaining. I enjoy understanding, you know, and seeing what's going on from different candidates. So as the process, the electoral process continues over the next year or so, you know, we'll be there to, uh, you know, to follow it and, uh, and, you know, continue to talk about it. So, guys, thank you for listening. Follow us on social media. Everything is at Dadon Tolbert. Check me out on uh, YouTube. You know, subscribe to the page, and um, I will see you all next time. Good night. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.